welcome this morning. Thank you for being here on this long weekend. How's it going on your long weekends? Good? Sounds like your Monday needs to be really good to make up for that, okay? We have been in a sermon series called The Adventure, where we've been talking about the five rhythms of a follower of Jesus. Last week, Chris Koenig led us through two of those, uh, which are Celebrate Big and Connect Small. And today, we're going to be looking at what it means to engage in mission and share the work. This is critical to the fabric of who we are as disciples of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus, then you will find these rhythms starting to happen in your life. And that's why we thought it would be great to spend some time and look at these. Next week, Pastor Dan gets to conclude the series as he deals with Stay Close to Jesus. Um, Before we get in, if you would just bow your, your heads, let's just pray, and then we will just jump right in. God, you are good. I thank you so much, Lord, that we're here at this moment in this time. God, as we look at your word, as uh, we are encouraged by your truth and challenged, Lord God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and our minds this morning. God, would your truth be declared? Would your glory be had? In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Awesome. Well, We are going to start the first rhythm by asking a question. Why should we engage in mission? Why should we engage in mission? So, if you got your Bible, grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible right in front of you, there's a pew Bible. It's easy. We're going to Genesis, so it's the first book of the Bible. We're going to chapter 1, which is the very first chapter of the book. And uh, find your way there. We're going to read and uh, just kind of see this idea of mission and God. And I want to read first uh, Genesis 1, uh, verses 28 to 31. And just listen as God uh, is at work in talking here. God blessed them and said to them, that's Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. When God saw Adam and Eve, he put them on mission. Now, we're not done. Go a few, a little bit further in your Bibles. We're going to go to chapter 6 now. We're going to push this a little bit further. Chapter 6. And we're going to be seeing the Noah. Most of us know the story of Noah and the ark. And there's this moment when Noah has a conversation with God. And you're going to find that in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. And so at the beginning, he's, God's talking to Noah. He's telling him, hey, this is what I need you to do. He kind of lays it out. And then I want to read for you uh, verse 22. And it says this. This is Noah's response. 
Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Okay, we're not done there yet. Let's go a little bit further. We're going to go to Exodus. Exodus is the next book in the Bible. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3. So flip over a few more pages to Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at the life of Moses. So this is Moses. Most of us know this story as well. And if you don't, Moses uh, grew up in Egypt and then he killed an Egyptian and they wanted to kill him, so he left. He's tending uh, flocks on the mountainside, uh, avoiding uh, Egypt and all those there. And uh, he's out and about uh, one day and he sees uh, a bush that starts burning and he's kind of curious about it. And then in verse 4 he says, Then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at the bush, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Hmm. We're not done yet. Keep going. Now go to Esther. So that's a few more books into the Bible. Keep flipping uh, all the way over to Esther, chapter 4. And so here's an interesting one where Esther is uh, uh, on her journey of life. She finds herself in the royal palace. Uh, uh, The king there saw her uh, her beauty and who she was as a person, and she is now serving and in the palace. And then Mordecai says to her in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, And he's talking about if she does not raise her voice, if she doesn't step in the gap for her people, he says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And and who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Every time... Somebody is engaged with God, God puts them on mission. Because it doesn't stop there. Abraham, remember that story. Sarah, remember that story. Rahab, Ruth, Naomi, David, Jacob, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, Joseph, the coat of many colors, Saul, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Joshua, Samson. Do I need to go on? Every person that encounters God gets put on mission. This is the way. This is what we see over and over again in the Old Testament. When we talk about mission, I want to connect mission to purpose. That's really crucial. Because purpose is uh, what guides our life decision. It influences our behavior. It shapes our goals, offers a sense of direction, and a created meaning. Now, most of us that have lived a little bit of life recognize that late at night, good ideas probably aren't good ideas. Aha, there are some of you that already know where we're going with this. Mission is an important thing, and when I was a young adult, I was out west with some of my friends, and it was late at night, and we were sitting around, and it wasn't quite time to go to bed or anything like that, and we came up with a mission. We thought this would be fun. We said, hey, let's jump in the car, and let's drive kind of like from Vancouver, kind of like up into the mountains into like Hope, but if you continue that route, there's like a whole circle that you can do, and it comes all the way back down in the lower mainland again, and we thought this would be a good idea in the middle of the night. Lots of things to see, right? 
No, it's dark. But this was young men with nothing to do thinking it was a good idea. So we did it. We, we, we drove. I mean, we had good times in the car. We laughed. We listened to music. We enjoyed ourselves. We stood on the edge of cliffs probably that were hundreds of feet tall. No idea. So we weren't scared at all. Get back into the car and keep going. We shone our lights out into the abyss and couldn't see anything. We enjoyed the stars. But we got home and finally fell into bed. Mission complete. As a follower of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves, what is our God-given mission and purpose? That purpose needs to be rooted in the words of Jesus that we find in Matthew. Now, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And so I want to I dive into some of those words that Jesus says. He actually gives us two commands. And so there's these people that approach Jesus and they start asking him questions and they're trying to trick him a little bit. And he basically sums up and gives our mission in two commands. Matthew 22. So if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew, go to Matthew 22. And most of us that have been kicking around the church for a while have heard this and maybe even memorized this. But Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Good, I was hoping you guys are with me here. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus did not just pull these out of thin air. It's not like Jesus is walking around and says, ah, this sounds like a good idea. He actually reaches back into Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 for the love of your Lord your God with heart, heart, mind, soul. And then he reaches into Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and he talks about that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So he takes the mission that's already been present and alive and moving in the Old Testament, and he recaps it, and he commands followers of Jesus in this way. But Jesus did not just leave us with a bunch of commands. Commands are things that we hear and see, but they kind of root you. And, and Jesus recognized that he's like, I want my followers of Jesus not to be rooted and like uh, to be stuck, but I want to commission them. I want them to go. And so a little further on in the book of Matthew, if you're there, flip a few more chapters to chapter 28. And Jesus commissions his followers Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, anytime you hear a therefore, perk up, listen, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. So when we think about this question, why should we engage in mission? Jesus has taken us and given us commands and commissioned us to go. These are things that are rooted in the mission that has been present since the beginning of time. God's people have been on mission. Just pause and think about that for a second. As I am on mission, I am now a part of 
all those that have come before me. Hmm. I just think that's absolutely powerful. Your life matters. Now, we have a second rhythm we got to look at today. And I want to pose that as a question to start as well. And it says, why should we share the work? Why should we share the work? Now, before we jump into this question, I want to just talk a little bit about culture. Because culture gives us an interesting uh, way it looks at work. And I, and I actually don't think it's, it's a, a biblical or a Christian perspective so, it, you know, some of you maybe have heard this before, but, you know, people would say something like TGIF or thank God it's Friday. Or people say, you know, like getting uh, close to uh, a weekend, they would say something like, you know, oh, a grueling work week, finally done. Or people might say, you know, on, for, on uh, Sunday evening, back to the grind, Right? Or, the weekend's too short. Four-day work weeks, all business owners were like, uh, right? We also have that expression, you know, freedom 55. You can retire at 55. As all financial planners said, yay. Here's the thing. It's like the world looks at work as a prison sentence. Somewhere to do our time, you know, to seeking to escape out of the, the working hours so we can do whatever we want or have life however we want it. Now, I want to clarify what I mean by work. It's not just a job or a career. But this idea of work is like from the moment you wake in the morning and as we move through our day, there's a sense of work. There's many things. There's getting up. There's getting yourself ready. There's, you know, meeting the day. There's housework. There's dishes. There's cooking, driving kids, volunteering, uh, getting to work on time, uh, picking up that little bit of trash as you walk in your laneway and no one else has picked it up and the 14 people that have walked by it. That hasn't happened to me this week at all right? These, this is work. Work is that thing of work. You know what? You, you, you help out at your church. You help out at a local charity, or you help your grandma or your auntie run some errands. Like, when we're awake and we're moving through our day, this is the work that I want to talk about. Now, what is a Christian's perspective? What is a godly perspective on work? If that's culture, if that's what culture says, then, then how do we change the way we see it? Well, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. So grab your Bibles. Let's go back to Genesis. So flip all the way back to Genesis again, chapter 1. And I want to have a quick look. I want to read a couple verses here. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 28. Let's, let me read that for a second. We already read it, but I just to remind us. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So I want to push a little bit further into chapter 2 of Genesis. Go to chapter 2, verse 2. That says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rests, rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. 
Don't want to leave it there. Let's go a little bit further in chapter 2 to verse 15. Let me read this. The, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So before sin ever entered the world, God was at work creating. God was putting people and moving them into taking care of and working. So work is not drudgery. Work actually is the opportunity to partner and be and move in the things of God. So we don't have to, you know, uh, echo the voice of our culture. We actually need to approach it in a new way. And I want to break this down in three points today because I think it's really incredible when we start to, to dive into this a little bit. It does not lead us to good places if we do not put our hands to work. Can I get an amen from all the parents? Okay, that was enough. I'll take that. Tim Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, talks about work like this, and I think it's really good to have a, a, a sense of this. And his words are, work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It is not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. People need work that derives from God-given purpose to live full human lives. Work is not a punishment. We see work as a godly, in a godly perspective, that is a way to form our hearts. This is the other piece of the puzzle. So we've talked about work and a defining kind of what that is, and now let's talk about when we work. A writer, uh, Ken, says this, God uses us to get work done. God also uses work to get us done. There is something about work that starts to shape our hearts and forms our hearts. That is not easy work. That's hard work. I want everyone to pause for a second. I want you to think about a time where, um, whether you're a student here or whether you're an adult or wherever you find yourself, maybe somebody made a decision that you had to kind of follow through in and that you, didn't, you couldn't just ignore, and it was tough. But what was that doing in you? How was God using that moment to shape you, to shape your life? See, work is not meant to be uh, the easy life, right? And that's where I think um, we can kind of get off kilter with this idea of work sometimes. Dallas Willard in the book, The Divine uh, Conspiracy, he, he writes this, and it's kind of an interesting thought I wanted to present, and it says, um, to not find your job 
to be the primary place of discipleship is to automatically exclude a major part, if not the most, of your waking hours from life with Him. The gospel turns your work into spiritual formation training center. It's kind of interesting. It's a different way to think about our work. And I'm not just talking about your job or your career. I'm talking about the the waking hours of a day. In the midst of these waking hours, God is moving. God is is drawing us and moving us and, and changing us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I paused and I thought about this for, for a few minutes, and I remember my, my mom and my dad allowing me at a young age to be involved in projects. I know that cost would have been great in time and energy to have me a part of their projects, but it was a part of our family. It's the things that we did. It's kind of interesting because as I continue to think about that, I was reminded of uh, a time where uh, as a family we had a canoe trip and I, I want to show you uh, the canoe on top. Now, you probably have a hard time appreciating what you're seeing on that screen in that canoe. I used to use my dad's old canoe, which I shouldn't even refer to it as a canoe. It barely floated. And a friend of mine said, hey, I have a canoe. Uh, do you want to borrow it? Now, if you're a person who loves canoes, this is a Langford Prospector 16.5 feet It is beautiful. It moves through the water. It was designed with purpose. It is is sculpted. I got to stop. It's just a great canoe, okay? And he let me use it, which was awesome. Now, the great thing about this canoe is like it not only just was red, but it had nice cherry gunnels on it, nice wood seats. It was just an awesome canoe we had. So when we got at home and, and I started looking at it, I started realizing that somebody had not really taken care of it, that the cherry was stained with water from years of sitting around and, and being abused, not being cleaned up. And so I said, you know what? You always leave something better than when you found it, right? My parents taught me that. So I was like, okay, let's sand these gunnels down. Let's do some work. So I employed my best employee and we went at these gunnels. This is my son, and so we sanded. Now, I could have got this job done in a third of the time, but I had this thing about, you know what? My parents let me in on their things. I want to let him in on this. So we sanded those gunnels, and we, and we tongue-oiled them, and then we stood back, and we had the chance to see those cherry gunnels just glow. All woodworkers know what I'm talking about. That chance of saying, yeah, it's good. And we gave it back and the people were good. But here's the thing. God uses work to shape us and form our hearts. And when we do that with each other, and when we do that as God works in us, it's amazing how that starts to move and shape those those sharp edges that we find in our lives. The other reason I was invited as a child to help Maybe uh, the same for, for you is just, you know, a kid that has direction and mission and purpose is better off than one with not. Also, the idea of working on my fine motor skills, and, and this is a lot uh, of what God says to us when we, when we get to be in, in involved in his mission. In the same way God gives us work to form our hearts to mature us, to help us grow, to be more like Jesus. 
Now, I want to look at work as service and just touch on this. Pastor Ken again talks in his book, uh, God in My Everything, and he says, he uses this term called co-creating with God. God's work is done in partnership with us. That is why it's so important. God uses our work to serve and provide the world around us. An example of this would be like uh, the Lord's Prayer where we say, God, uh, today give us our daily bread. How does God respond? Does he just instantly pop up food? Because, I mean, if that's the case, I'm ordering uh, a, 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 a ribeye steak, no, no, a T-bone steak, uh, medium rare, right? Okay, God, and I really would like a, a potato, a double-baked stuffed potato. God, some fresh veggies, you know, would be uh, great with that. You know, oh, and make sure that the, the steak is grass-fed and, and also uh, the potatoes and, and the veggies, like, if someone could just make sure they care for that, like really enjoy doing that process. Oh, and some chocolate cake for the end would just be awesome. Oh, and could that be free trade chocolate in the cake would just be perfect. It doesn't work like that, right? It actually works kind of like this. Farmers caring for cows and growing potatoes and vegetables. Truckers who transport the food into the grocery stores. The grocery store staff who put the food on the shelves and check out. The owner of the restaurant who hires a chef and who make incredible and create incredible food. And servers who create atmosphere by serving that food. God, through businesses, they make the plates and the knives and the cutlery. There's designers thinking about all that stuff. There's people who are making all that kind of stuff. God provides your meals through the work of hundreds of people in multiple cities and multiple countries. Speaking of supply chains and all that fun. See, when you think about the home you live in, the clothes that you wear, the education that you received, the medical care that's provided for you, the volunteer role you serve in at church, all that is the result of people co-creating with God. Why does work matter to God? God calls us to work with Him in providing for people, caring for people. As Christians, we see our work as a critical way in which to care for other human beings and renew this world as it changes our lives. No matter what you do, from the moment you wake up and as we put our hands to things. To share the work is to partner with God, to see our lives be transformed and to be opened to seeing God use our care and his care and love to love others. I just want to invite the band up. As we conclude today, we've talked about this question about mission, why we should be on mission. And we've talked about this idea of why we should share the work. See, God has clearly given us a mission in Jesus' commands and his commission. We see the, the partnership uh, with God uh, in purpose because God himself has worked. God himself set the tone at the beginning of time for us. 
we see a place where discipleship happens in our work, where God forms our heart, forms who we are to be more like Christ. We see uh, a work as a service, a way to co-create, a way to bring God to this world. See, here's the interesting piece here. If you look at that through the, the lens of 82.5 years, the average lifespan, it's kind of left wanting. If we think about the partnership of that in light of the beginning of time, but not ending when your life ends, but for eternity. So taking an eternal view on these things, it changes that daily movement. Because our lives aren't just a speck on the grand timeline and beyond, but our lives are woven into the fabric of God from the beginning of time, moving His mission with purpose to change and care and grow people and His church for His glory. You're a part of that. That should start to kind of get you a little bit excited. If, if not, I want to just be real for a second. And that is, if you're here and you're feeling a little defensive, maybe you're like, I was tricked. Damn, Mo's talking about work. Maybe it's because there's something that God wants to work on your heart. Because there's something incredible as a follower of Jesus when we see our lives as an opportunity to extend him in all things that we do. That should move us. That should encourage us. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that movement, that encouragement. And so I just encourage you, if you're here today and you're feeling a little sense of a push there or a little defensiveness, just to pause and just look, where is that coming from? What's going on? Maybe there's disappointment Maybe you've got been taken advantage of. God wants to heal that. God wants to see you have mission and purpose, and he wants to see you work for him. Here at the church, this is a really beautiful opportunity because uh, lots of us have many things that we put our hands to throughout our whole work day. But we here, as a collective family at Woodside, deeply care for those who are apart and those who don't yet know us. And so, to be straight and upfront, we have things here that we do to do the mission and purpose that God has given us, to put our hands to the work. I need everybody to look in the pew in front of you and see if you can find a card that says serve. Pull it out. If you can find it, first service might have stolen them all. <laughs> but this isn't a bait and switch. This isn't, you know, trying to wrangle or strong arm anyone. But this is for you to understand that if you don't know where you fit, if you don't know how it means to fit in and be a part of the work, that there are ways for you to be a part of that. And so if you flip the card over, you see uh, a whole bunch of options here. But what I really want to highlight here is if you're unsure, if you're like, I just don't know. Maybe I need healing. Maybe I'm feeling super defensive. And if you want someone to track with you, to walk with you, to journey with you, no shame, no judgment, well, I would encourage you just to check other, put your name and your email, and we'll, we'll contact you and we want to walk with you. 
not to try and convince people, but try to say, God is about drawing all of us together into his mission and into his work. If you want to take that card, if you filled it out, when you leave, there's baskets at the back, and I would encourage you to place that card in, and we're going to follow these up because we really believe we want to track with you. If you want any more information from any one of these things, feel free to check any of the other boxes as well. Would everybody stand up? Awesome. I just want to pray, and then we are going to close with a really great song um, called He Reigns and just a declaration, but let's just pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that as we pause today, as we've reflected on your truth, God, that I trust that you're stirring in the hearts of each and every person here. God, I pray that you would meet each of us where we are. If we're feeling overwhelmed or if we have uh, feelings that are not ones that we enjoy or like, God, I pray that you would meet us in that moment. God, if we're feeling inspired, I ask, Lord, that you would give us opportunity to move into that inspiration and trust, Lord, that you're inspiring our hearts. God, I thank you for the family of God. I thank you for all those that call Woodside their home. I ask, Lord, that you would lead and guide us as only you can. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen.